Welcome to Luminaries the Podcast, the ultimate destination for all things lighting and production design. I'm your host, Christopher Bolton, and I'm thrilled to be your guide through the fascinating world of cutting-edge software and lighting design methodologies. On today's episode, we're embarking on an exhilarating journey through the illustrious career of Mark Wynn Edwards. With over 30 years of industry experience, from crafting architectural wonders in the Middle East to orchestrating visual masterpieces for primetime TV and blockbuster films, Mark's influence reverberates across continents. From the infectious rhythms of Jamiroquai to the raw passion of Slipknot's formative years, currently he's on tour with Simple Minds in Australia, igniting stages with his unparalleled lighting design and skilled programming. But Mark's contributions extend far beyond the world of music. At Verilight, he revolutionized lighting technologies as a product advisor and stand designer, shaping the future of live entertainment. And speaking of live entertainment, I had the pleasure of catching up with Mark in Adelaide during a Simple Mind show. It was an unforgettable experience witnessing his mastery firsthand and sharing insights into his remarkable journey. This is Luminaries the Podcast, where the spotlight is on learning. Mark, thanks for joining us on the show, bud. I managed to hook up with you when you were in Adelaide for Simple Minds, and it was such an awesome experience. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's, uh, it's good to have people from the house. It's usually quite a lonely place. To get us started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and let our listeners know how you got into this game? I think I'm into my 30th year now, and it's fair to say I, I get bored. <laughs> And I've, I've, I've gone across a lot of disciplines, architecture, uh, TV, film, live concerts. And I started way back when working for a little company in Leeds called Coney Lights, uh, who he got me from working in a venue. I was the house guy, learning my trade, so I thought. And I went to Coney and was taken under the wing and properly taught how to do this job and how to be doing this job. And it's been this never-ending thing of next level, next level, move to this company, move to that company, work with this band, work with that band, and here we are. Has it always been based around the UK? Yeah, but working with international companies. So, you know, I worked for Very Light for a little while, which was, you know, a, certainly a high point getting to work with the best out there because it was the heyday of very light, you know, working with the best gigs, the best crew, the best everybody on the most part. So you didn't actually do any formal training per se. You just worked your way up the job the hard way like all of us did. Yeah, no formal training. I mean, obviously I've gone away and done a few courses, but I I tend to shy away from those as well because the way I learn stuff is mostly different to how things are taught I need time to do stuff I, you know I've I've just taught myself MA3 and that was doing a little bit walk away doing a little bit more walk away and I don't think they'd go for that in a training room <laughs> it's like where are you going where are you going I've had enough <laughs> it can be difficult I mean I know when I do the training with the guys you know traditionally it's a two-day training course and I actually do it over three days because two days is just too much for you to absorb it um, and I try actually stop and let the guys apply the theory that I've just taught them rather than just go, 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 go. It's just too much. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tend to have to find my way of doing things, which I don't know, maybe I'm very obtuse. Who knows? Um, you know, I mean, there's, it's good because you talk to other operators because I use two platforms, as you know, and that I find ways of doing stuff that other operators have looked at and gone, what did you do? How did you do that? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so so if, you, if you had to look back to your early days, do you, do you have any, like what's one of your fondest memories? What, one of the times where you were like, wow, this is, this is cool. And I mean the early days. Obviously you've had lots since, but I mean <laughs> when you were in your youth, shall we say. I think probably. So back when I used to work for Cody and I was very young, very fit, I remember sitting, they used to do a lot of these, what do you call them, fireworks and ants in your sandwiches type gigs for the classical orchestra, that sort of stuff. <laughs> fireworks and ants in your sandwiches. I, I, I remember once sitting watching this and watching all the fireworks. It was a gorgeous summer's night. And I remember thinking, you know what? 
this is all right as a job. This really is all right as a job because everything was working. It's beautiful summer's night. Fireworks. You know, I didn't have ants for my sandwiches. I didn't have sandwiches. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I remember thinking, you know what? I think this could be a good job. <laughs> so obviously, you know, part of all your touring, you've travelled the whole world substantially. Have you kept track of how many flights you've done? Oh heavens, no! I I'm I can't say I'm particularly fond of flying. I accept it's a necessary evil. I accept it's a thing. It doesn't necessarily mean I particularly enjoy it. <laughs> it it's it, it's the having to stay still and sat in your seat type thing, you know. Those days have gone. I've been able to run up and down the aisle. <laughs> are you are you sure you don't have ADHD? Well, it's a possibility, isn't it? <laughs> I, I've got ADHD and it sounds very much like you've got ADHD, my friend. <laughs> it would probably explain a few things. It really would. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have any favorite countries or places that you've worked in? I, I firmly believe that part of my heart belongs in uh, Copenhagen, uh, very strongly. I, I feel very comfortable in Copenhagen, you know, in, in that, that stillness that you get, that arrives in Copenhagen. And I can actually feel it build, uh, you know, when you're on a bus and you're rolling in, I can feel it sort of wash over me. I'm like, yeah, this is good. I like this place. That's great. But it, have you been there during the winter, though? Yeah, considering I'm somebody that likes heat, I can tolerate it. I really can because it's proper cold. Yeah, you know? it's proper cold. It's different. Eh? It's like a dry cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just put another layer on and you're fine. Not like something that's trying to get through to your bones. Somebody once said to me, it's, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Yeah, very true. Very true. A cinder that lives in Yorkshire, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And out of all the places you've worked, I'm sure you've got many stories to tell about the crew that you've had to work with. Do you have Do you have a favourite crew that you want to mention that maybe that she's worked with on your journeys? I think because I have an affinity with the with the, the city uh, Chicago crew. Oh yeah, um, I, I I get I get on very well with them. Um, it's actually another place I feel very happy and still is Chicago. Um, and the Chicago crew, I always get in very well with them. We we get on with each other, um, and I, I don't know why that is. I just I just like it. I just like the crew there. They 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 get on with it. I think is the best way to put it. Because traditionally, the American crews are very very different from from the European crews. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you 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 learn how to how to make that work, and there are always ways of making these things work. You know, either you know when we were in New York last night. They did this in however many hours. You you appear to be behind time. Yeah. Do you want to be worse than New York crew? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. Eh? Yeah, yeah. So obviously you spend a lot of time traveling and a lot of time in aircraft or in buses and stuff. Like how do you occupy your time? Is that when you sleep and rest or do you do some work in transit? Yeah, I quite often do the advanced patch on show files. You know, get up early before everybody else has woken up, sit in the bottom lounge, watch the world go by sit with my laptop, pre-patch festivals, that sort of stuff. Sit and have a, a a nice morning on the bus, you know, before everybody wakes up. And I suppose that that would be because the gentlemen had enjoyed themselves the previous evening and you, and, and having a nice sleep in whilst you're doing a bit of work. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I will drink alcohol, but I don't drink, drink, drink much because I just can't, I, I just can't deal with it. <laughs> no, cool. <laughs> so, so I don't want to get too political, but I do want to understand, like just briefly, how, how's Brexit directly influenced you uh, in the levels of the complexity around planning a Euro tour? It's, it's been horrific. Uh, it's added a whole, a whole new level of work with carnets and uh, extra paperwork to justify why we're taking where we're going. As a friend of mine put it, it's like trying to hack your, your foot off with a butter knife. <laughs> you know, you'll get there in the end, but it's, it's, it's going to be arduous. And it's going to hurt. <laughs> and, uh, and it's going to hurt a lot. I mean, uh, we, we had a thing last year, we were out... We had to do a transfer from the UK to Ireland, Southern Ireland, and then from Southern Ireland to Amsterdam. The, 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 as we sat there and we figured this all out of how we were going to do this, because the tour was booked before Brexit happened, 
there was this sudden wave of realization of how horrible this is about to be. Luckily, I'm I'm good with a load of lighting companies based over in Ireland, and it was a good few phone calls going. Do you have this stuff in your in your warehouse? And we basically took their warehouse out for the day because I said to him, "We need this many fixtures. We need this. We need this." And he was like, "Oh my word!" I was like, "Yep, go." I was like, "Go and get some paint. You can paint the warehouse floor finally." You know. <laughs> but you're so lucky that you that you had those people to contact and they had availability. Yeah, in fact, I've I've been told since he actually told he actually went round some contracts and said to them. Do you need those lights on that day? Wow! <laughs> Are you working with those lights that day? Can, can we borrow them for twelve hours Insane. and then bring them back? And that's, and that's what happened. And it, yeah, it, you make it work, but it's it's horrible. It's just horrible. I know you're also a very passionate guy about your craft, like many of us. How do you go about keeping your skills up to date? Like which formats? Where do you find the information? How do you keep your craft at the cutting edge? Actually, if you take some time to go to the trade shows, and there's a lot of people who I know in the industry at this point in time, they they know not to do the sales pitch with me because I don't care. I I rather stand looking at their stand and just sit and watch what new fixtures do, how it does that, what it looks like, because the way my head works is I log what these things do in my crazy mind um <laughs> yeah and what they shouldn't do i suppose yeah and there's, there's a good few people manufacturers who will just go the rig that our, our stand is on that desk off you go go and play with it if you want go and play with them oh, have a look yeah go on, that's brilliant go and have a mess because there's, <laughs> there's no point telling me what stuff does because that means nothing to me i'm i'm all about the visual Sure. Yeah. You want to see, you want to see it for yeah. yourself, and I suppose a trade show is the best way to do it because it's tactile. You can actually walk up and touch it. You know. Yeah, 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 totally. And you know, say to them, "Do you mind if I fire this across the uh, across the building? I'll <laughs> see if I can if I can hit that side over there." And they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, go on, man. Here we go again." Um, <laughs> because you know the scale of what you're going to be working with, so you can you need to be able to see if they can do it. You know. Yeah, totally, and you know. It has been known for me to point lights towards the competition's uh, stand and go, yep, I can still see your beam, right? Next. Amazing. <laughs> so I know you are well-versed in most of the consoles on the markets, uh, and I know you also own a big personal collection of them. So why don't you make us all a bit jealous and tell us which machines you have? Including the historic ones. Yes, of course, including the historic ones. Those are the ones we're all excited about. Okay. Okay, here we go. We've got we've got a very light Vert DX with the outboard and the uh, what do you, what do they call it? Tech wing, the little wing. Where did you find that? When I was working for, the second time, I worked for Very Light. I mentioned it because it's one of the one of the first desks I ever learned, and I mentioned it at a uh, meal. I said, you know what? I was like, I really love a DX. I was like, you can't really do much with them. I just want one because it's part of me. And I didn't think anything of it from that. It was just a throwaway statement on my part. And one day I was in the warehouse and this very confused looking courier turned up and was like, I've got this massive wooden box for you. And sure enough, that was the bit that's even better. Because what they were doing is they'll get, they're clearing the warehouse out from Dallas of stuff to, for new kit. And uh, I got to thank Greg Brooks for for the desk. He, he left a message on the top. He's like, "Open the bonnet, have a look what's inside." And I opened it up, and it's serial number one. Oh my word! You got the first one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, does it get any better? Does it wow. get any better? No, you know? it does not. It does not. Uh, what else is in there? There's an awful lot of Hog Fours of various flavors, which are the live desks. There's a MA3 in there. There's a Jan's event. There's Pulsar Masterpiece, uh, a Selco, Selco Gold Special Edition that was done. That It was a small desk and had a shift button so you could shift the faders. It was done for... Jeez, wow. Oh, I can't remember the guy now. It was a special build. And it was basically, of the ones to have, this is the one to have because it had the shift done and it was custom made. Um 
you know what? I have a hard time remembering what else is in there, to be honest. There's a Lee Colortran in there. Insane. Because that was my personal desk at Coney. And when I left, I took it with me. <laughs> and that's a, that, you know what? That's one of my biggest regrets is as time as time went by, I sold my previous console to make up the difference to buy my next console, you know, and I regret it deeply. I wish I'd kept all of my consoles, yeah. you know, because when you and I met, when you and I met, I had an M6 that I was working yeah. on and then I went over to the dark side and got to the MA2 stuff. And then I sold my MA2 for the MA3 and I actually wish I still had all my machines. I even, I even had a light jockey with uh, what was called fingers. I don't know if you remember that it had like a, uh, uh, it was like a silver yeah. thing. They, made, they yeah, used yeah. the serial. It is serial port. It used the serial port to connect to a laptop. So yeah, <laughs> um, um, but I, but I know you still use the hog on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. Is this purely yeah. because it, it's what's available, or do you? Is this something that you you have? Is your preference? It's all about the the connect. You know, I don't need to zone out of what I'm thinking about and how to do stuff. I can just do it you know whilst it's there and i find that because i can set it up i can the way i set them up it's very quick for me and i don't need to think i've got you know it's very much that doing that there with this over there save you know and you know it's going to work i suppose it's like learning a language right yeah yeah totally you know i'm i'm getting there with uh ma3s to be like that because you can set your own profiles and this sort of stuff um it will, and it'll get that. I mean, the MA3 is live, but there's there's still work to be done. You know, there's still a lot of things that are, yeah, definitely still work to be done. Um, but you know, if you would you would you recommend that other users take the plunge into MA3? In your opinion, I would say totally. Yeah, totally, because it's quite a steep learning curve. It is depending on what you came from. For me, for me, for Hog, I actually found it quite easy to do the early days because it's the same. Very okay. much the same. That's interesting. Um, but it's quite a steep learning curve. There's a lot to learn. <clears throat> and as it gets things fixed and things evolve, I think that learning curve could get quite steep very quickly for some people. I think I've, I've said to a few people whilst I was taking it out last year, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, I need to learn to that. I might get on with it. <laughs> get on and learn. I was I was actually thinking to myself that if you'd never touched another console before and you got introduced to MA3 from the beginning, this is the, this is how you program lighting. I think it would actually be easier because you 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 get so used to your own methods and ways of thinking with other platforms, and a lot of the questions I often get from some people are like, "Yeah, but Hog does it like this," or "Ah, oh, you know." Onyx does it like this. And, and, and it, it's, I think it's true. If you learn a console from the ground up, you don't have that bias in your mind. Yeah. 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 Totally. You know, and there's, there's uh, going on, um, moving across to MA3, there was a lot of things I, I absolutely adored. Little, oh, that's cool. I'm always the guy that likes the stupid little stuff. Yeah. Not the big yeah. stuff. I always like the stupid little stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so when I've done beta testing, I send people messages back for like things I've not liked in betas. And they're just like, but we don't care about that. I was like, but you <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> but it's like the swipey things, like the swipeys. I adore the swipeys. I love that's the great, swipeys. You know? so there's, cool. There's... <laughs> so cool. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. And you got to constantly remind yourself to swipe, man. Just touch it and swipe it instead of having to look on the on the yeah, on yeah. the actual hardware for it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I wish you could custom. I wish I wish you could customize them. To be honest, so you could actually have more things within swipeys. I hope you made a suggestion because that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut down the uh, the amount of clicking about. Yeah, I'll make a note of that. Actually, I'll make a note of that, and I'll speak to the guys because that is something that'd be really cool. If you could mo modify your own swappy, that would be super cool. If you were on a particular yeah, page, like yeah. if you were on layouts, make swappy do something that makes sense for layouts. If you if you're in the program, if you or if you're in the three D, make swappy do something for three D. That'd be really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, we turn the MA3 into like doing minority report, you know, with the thing in the air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are sitting there going, where the hell's he doing up front? <laughs> uh, I guess. So I know you often, when you go on tour, you, you're actually touring with more than one platform. So sometimes you're working on MAs and sometimes you're working on HOG. How do you go about planning uh, to do a tour if you know you're going to be working on two platforms that don't communicate with each other? Do a lot of work. <laughs> Do an awful lot of work. 
Um, a lot of work. Then, okay, so so there's no easy way. There's no easy way, basically. No, no, there's no, there's uh, there, there's no easy thing here. Uh, you can go in with the planning and make sure that your uh, your patch makes sense, so it's quick to get stuff running. You know, the the, the good old fashioned Avo style of patch where you start at one and then just run across. Um, that that never fails. Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, Simon. Yeah, 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 totally. So if you were if you were on tour and there's no issues with the rig, so you arrive at a venue, the guys have done their job, how long does it take for you to be show ready? From walking into the door, updating presets, the size of the rig might vary, but approximately how long does it take before you're having a pint at the bar? <laughs> um, I'm actually annoyingly fast. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've I, I've toured where you, you know it's double operators out front, you know, somebody doing the support band, and uh, yeah, they're they're just like, how are you done so fast? I I keep I keep my uh, pallets to a minimum because I work the rig into split pallets. So if there's a rig, you know, one lot will be doing one pallet, the rest of the rig's doing another pallet. It's amazing how dynamic you can get with only maybe I don't know six positions. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I agree. I I agree. I'm I'm a four or five preset oh, guy, like yeah. you know. And then you know, traditionally, if you update your your center yeah. center preset, yeah. as I call it, it normally fixes the rest of them plus minus. You know, if you've used them better. But yeah, so so that's so keep it simple. Basically, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, don't overthink it. Just just, just don't overthink it whatsoever. Keep it. And the thing is, you, you've got to be quick because some festivals you're going to turn up late. You know, and you might be the headliner turning up late and you've got that 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the changeover to get your gig working. And, you know, especially if you're headlining, it's also got to be right because it's going to be on the front page of something the next morning, potentially. And, and, and you sit there looking at that one light that's doing the wrong thing and you just like burn through your soul. And you try to fix it. You, and you yeah. try to fix it during the show quickly, like, oh my God. Yeah. Update, update. And that is the thing, you Gosh. know, and I get a lot of people asking about this, about being a desk up, it, uh, or the desk up side of it. It's not about pressing go at all. <laughs> That's the fun bit. You need to be able to multitask and keep that rig running. I mean, there are people who tore a second guy to keep the rig where it should be, but nine times out of 10, it's just going to be you. <laughs> yeah, and, nine times out of 10. Know, Absolutely. You and some yeah. crew you've never worked with before. That's the honest truth, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you've you've got it, it's it's quite an interesting thing, really. The the fun part is the operating part. There's so much more that happens in the day. It's almost the easy bit. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's the time to sit and chill. Yeah, well, you do make it look easy, I must say. Now, I know from, obviously, from having been in front of house with you when we met, and I think it was your second JK tour to South Africa. I think it was 2013 or something like that, somewhere around there. And then again, the other night, I got to watch you operate Simple Minds when you were here with us in Adelaide. And you also trigger a lot of media and video playback. So, you know, artistically, this must have huge benefits. Do you have a favorite media server? How do you handle backup for something like that? And... Do you get to make your own content and create your own content? JK stuff, that was mostly all my content because it was all very filmic and I was taking video in like the the, the snow on an unplugged t TV and really messing with stuff. I also have a degree in creative media and video that I did briefly. For Simple Minds, we've got a content designer, but we work together very closely. So my overall role in Simple Minds is show designer rather than LD. And my remit on Simple Minds as show designer seems to be growing on a daily basis. We're down to now what people wear. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think my comment on that was, have you seen what I'm wearing? Do you think I know anything about fashion? <laughs> My overall favourite media server has to still be Catalyst as much as I'm moving away from it because times are moving, you know. It, 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 more is wanted, more stuff is needed. So I'm moving across to uh, Resloom and having 
all sorts of crazy going on with that, which is actually what I'm figuring on the downtime for this is how we do that. Cause we're getting very creative with where video appears, how it appears, how it's been done. And the next tour that goes out is an awful lot of, I suppose, bits of screen everywhere. And we treat, we don't, we've, we've even developed uh, a lexicon for the tour so the side screens are not IMAX it's not an IMAX screen it's a side screen and content content beats IMAX content so content is going over the top of the, the footage of the band and making it one huge thing and it's it's this thing of it was the big thing about um, screen almost been like a, um, a telly in a pub you know, people just just sit there, mouth mouth open, watching telly, and making it this thing that uh, spreads and fills the entire arena space. So as I, I think we we're talking about it, weren't we, when we met in Adelaide, saying about the fact that a lot of the early notes that people get for telling them what's coming to their venue, a lot of it's left blank when they're like, oh, what trim are your trusses and all this sort of stuff. It's like, I don't know. We fill the space. We fill all of that space. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Until you're there and you feel a bit, okay, give us another meter or bring the back bar down another half a meter just to spread things apart. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. That stuff should be left to be flexible until you're in the space. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and you know, fixture choice has come for being stuff that can – that can do the job, you know. I want to get the person in the back, the very last row. I want the person in the very last row that is miles back. I want them to sit there and feel like the shows for them as well, not just the people who paid. That not just the people that paid for the first few seats on the first balcony who are getting the gig. Yeah, that, I must. I must <laughs> say, I was blown away because I, I managed to watch Simple Minds from the front and then. For the second part of the show, I came and stood behind you, which was super, superb. Getting, being able, having the option of being able to see both sides of it was really cool. Yeah. So, but you must travel with a lot of your own gear, then. Hey? Do you do you send it with somebody, or, is it, or does it travel with you on the aircraft, or how do you go about that? Uh, we've got a fly pack. So, in, within that pack, I've got uh, a console, and we usually get whoever's providing to bring a backup console. Uh, there's a, the media server, it's all control, control package mostly that we take. And there's a debate of some of the fixtures that I use on the rig. We're finding very hard to find everywhere and are actually starting to be key fixtures. It's ironically those panel lights. Yeah. I was going to say, is it like those big, those big square panels you have yeah. on the back? Yeah. Um, are those custom ones? No, they're, they're I think they're made by Chauvet or something. They're a very random fixture that I found years ago in the back of a lighting company that was providing. I was like, what's that? That looks interesting. And it's it's this thing, isn't it? It's not always the the, the highbrow brands that have things interesting. The, 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 you know, lighting company, lighting manufacturers are producing all sorts of crazy. And sometimes they don't make it to be massively public, but I found a whole set of these and I was like, you know what? I kind of like that. <laughs> so I'm trying to hunt some down to buy them, and then we just take them with us. It's it it's easier. It's so, it's so much easier. What would you say is currently your weapon of choice? So you know, is there any hardware or software that you think particularly sticks out? Uh, oh, I don't know. You know, I really don't. I have favorites. I always ask for, but my my go-to a lot of the time because you get you, you, you do a design, you get given the appearance that you've got some choice, <laughs> but you, then you send your, your design off to these various hire shops and they go, well, that's great, you've picked these fixtures, but we don't have them, but we have, you know, the Spangle 2000, but okay. I don't want the 2000, I want the 3000. It's like, oh. Mm. And, I you suppose know, that's the joys of touring, eh? Yeah, totally. And, you know, but, uh, I have to admit, I, I tend to put Roby fixtures on, on designs. You know, the fixtures work. You know, I've I've done tours as a moving light tech back in the day when Roby first became a, a proper thing to use on rigs. And for like a year's tour, 
I maybe did one thing. <laughs> yeah, awesome. You know, it's like these things just don't break. And having done the factory tour, I fully get mm. why they don't break. You know. Uh, yeah, I know. I know Joseph personally, and I know all the guys are there. I've been to the factory yeah. a few times myself. It's just a spectacular piece of kit. I mean, they just don't break. No, no, and it's fair to say I've I've put some of their fixtures through hell. I mean, I, I sent you the one from the uh, Saudi games where oh, there was yes. a light essentially in fire. And on fire. I, I, and we, we pointed a, a laser heat sensor at it, and this thing was sitting at like 90-odd degrees. And what? we're like, we're like should, we, uh, should we move that light? And at the lighting company were like, well, it's going to be a real hard job getting up there. You know, just leave it. And, we'll, yeah. it, it, well, and it worked. This thing worked. It just kept working. Amazing. <laughs> I even That's gave amazing. it less, less duties just in case it did stop working. And uh, no? was it a BMFL by chance? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love I love BMFLs in all shape and form, but the BMFL wash yeah. beam is definitely my favorite fixture of all time, hands down. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. the guy in, it's the guy in the pub that just like. He can really handle his beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sits in the corner, arm rest, arm wrestling everything. You know, it's just like, my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've had well, no, I've had them on fire. I've had water running through them. I've had them go through rains, like epic rainstorms and everything, and they just keep going. You know, like, my God. Yeah, it's awesome. At the end it's of the apocalypse, oh, the end of the apocalypse, <laughs> it will be BMFLs, Twinkies, and cockroaches left. That'll be it. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. And Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, Keith Richards sat on a, a, a burnt out chair. Yeah. It's oh, that's crazy. Funny. <laughs> oh my gosh So I know you you mentioned earlier, and I know we have spoken previously about you know your close connection to the Very Light family. Um, are you still involved at any level? Do they still get your opinion on, of any of the products lately? Occasionally, occasionally they do. Um, you know, I, when I when we all have time to talk to each other, you know, they'll be. I, I see them on a stand. The end. Uh, one of the MDs will sort of yeah come this way, come over to this. You know, I've I've oh, my, cool. my it's you know it, relationships never die, do they? You know, and. My my, pretty much unnerving bluntness at times is actually what's needed. You know, I, I remember them presenting a load of fixtures. I, I I a long time ago stopped being, it's not necessarily polite. It's freely in how you're talking. I think it might be because I live in the north of England. I don't know. Well, speaking about bluntness, I had I had a a, a conversation. Um, I don't know if you remember the Roby one one lead beam 100s when they came out they used to have those ridiculous top hats that clipped on oh and man. then and then you but if you clip them on you have to go onto the fixture itself and use these fiddly little buttons and put on the 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 tilt reduction mode and if you forgot to do that which they often did the second you move the tilt up all the way, all the top hats would come flying off them. So <laughs> um, I, made, I made a comment to the supplier, to Duncan Riley in, in South Africa. Um, and next thing you know, I had a call from Joseph wanting to know why I had a problem with the 100s. <laughs> so he, that's actually how I met Joseph. I was like, well, hello, Joseph. Thanks, Duncan. Hi. Yeah, hospital pass. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah. so I mean, that was a pretty stupid little thing. And but the 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 one fifty, the the Raby one, Raby one fifty is spectacular. It's such a nice little fixture. Uh, yeah, I've had a few moments definitely where I've had people going, "Go on then, stand behind what you just said." And you're like, "Yeah, oh, <laughs> you've done it again, Mark. You've done it again." Oh, exactly. It's, but it works, you know. Because the thing is, is I think, I think in some ways it would be a better place if people were a bit more blunt about stuff. You know, just to get back towards the actual training side of things and trying to share some of your knowledge with our listeners, you know, how would you, I mean, I watched you the other night, how would you explain your approach for programming music? I know it's more, I know it's more busking and um, 
than actual structured approach. But what would you say are your secrets? If you were a young guy and you were going to teach them how to prepare for a, a musical tour, how, how would you how would you go about it? Uh, know the music it's the very first thing do you do your research learn the track and i don't just mean listen to it i mean learn it they don't just do main section chorus second section chorus they 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 do leads there's a lead into the chorus so sometimes that needs attention but as for how the desk works or how i run my show is i have a cue list a structured cue list that uh, keeps keeps us back to you know to a structured se- section, and then I have a whole load of stuff that runs over the top that I do manually in time to add to add accents like overrides, basically overrides and stuff. So yeah. you've got yeah. something to fill and okay, okay, yeah, uh, little yeah, ch- little chases, little bumps, little bits, little little sparkly bits to go over the top, but then b- underneath that. There's the stuff keeping it structured. So if the band one night is feeling a bit more energetic and and their tempos are changing on stage, how do you keep all your stuff in sync? Do you have a tap? I have a clear button. Um, so you 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 have to have a, a good relationship with the uh, drummer. And okay. I've, I always say to the drummers, you can go anywhere you like with this. But I yeah. need a full stop. I need an absolute full stop. So probably it's a flam or yeah. something like that on the drums and crack, done, back mm. in the game. Off we go. Back in the game, yeah. I tell you, the lady from Simple Minds blew my mind. She was unbelievable. If anybody gets a she chance is, to see them, yeah. she's incredible. What a drummer. And she's playing in high heels. She can't what? play flat feet. She plays in high heels. <laughs> that changes it completely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a drummer and percussionist when I have time to do such things. And Really? No, we that's in, interesting yeah. as well. <laughs> man, you really are and, a man of many hats, aren't you? Well, you know, one try. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, yeah, we're in the, the oh, I forget what it's called, the big drum center in New York. And I happened to go in there just to dream about bits and pieces and uh was playing on a dw kit in one of the isolation booths and there was another, another kit next to me and i was there just busy mine on my own and then uh sharice comes into the drum shop and she's looking through the glass window at me next minute she's next to me and she just turns to me and goes right you've got a kit with double pedal i've got a kit with a single pedal i can't do double pedal but i'm going to follow you let's do drum together and then we'll do a drum off. And I was like, you're a professional Amazing. drummer. I'm not a professional <laughs> drummer. <laughs> but I tell you, it was the most fun. It was absolutely most fun because, you know, it, there is nothing like it, is there? To sit and play with a friend Amazing. who is also happens yeah. to be good. And they ended up, we ended up causing quite a thing. Lots of people stood who were busy. Brilliant. Looking and going, that, wow, look at these That's two. such a cool experience. You'd be able to say yeah. that, you'd, that you had a drum off against the drummer with the band you're touring with. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it, this yeah. is definitely one of those kind of tours, for sure. You know, you know we're one, one huge family. A lot of your success is owed to your personal relationships that you've built over the years with the creatives, promoters, artists. I know you're currently jetting all over the place with Simple Minds, having recently started the second leg of the tour in New Zealand and Australia. But do you have any favorite artists that you've worked with in the past that really rocked your boat? And I know you've done a couple, but was there any artist that really made you go, wow, I'm having so much fun? Uh, I think that very definitely has to be, well, there's two bands actually, and they do actually nicely link to each other as well, which is kind of cool. Uh, when I used to work with Doves and Lamb. Doves, because it was very, very north of England, it's fair to say. And all the crew came from the north of England. Uh, we all had very similar upbringings, childhood lives. And it, there was very definitely a feeling when we were going off to do these festivals, mostly headlining because they were huge at one point. It was like a group of northern lads off to fight the world. And then with Lamb, I was I was basically given carte blanche to do whatever I liked. You know, do what you like. Just go for it. 
do artistic and I, I it's one of the few times I've been left alone to do what I want to do. And I loved your approach on that because you really pulled back in some of the scenes and then you actually draw people in. It's not always just huge looks with massive hundreds of lights pointing at the sky. In some of the scenes you had one light on and I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, it became, because the music is actually quite artistic, the lighting followed, it became quite arty and quite just so. There was one song, uh, it was literally the lights moving between one palette to another palette and it took it 37 seconds to get there. And and it took, and, and part of it was what happened of the lights doing their journey to get there. And it was going from one quite obtuse looking look to a different obtuse looking look, totally the other side of the stage. And it was great. But it went from this sort of stuff to things that are tearing your face off. There was there's one look, there was a, was a song called Seven Sails. And I think to date, it's still the most abusive lights I've ever done. You know, the band, and that's because I'm still friends with all of them, but they, they always said that they really struggled. They really, really struggled on stage. But because they'd seen video footage of it and everything that happened within that, they're like, we're just going to endure this. But holy hell. <laughs> It'll be very nice if you had some links to maybe some of the YouTube videos of the, these moments you're talking about that we can share it at the bottom of the, of the page so that people can click and see what we're talking about. Yeah, there must be. There must be stuff. You know, it was, it was definitely the beginning of, I could see the stage via people's phones. Uh, <laughs> wow! Uh, that, that yeah, be. there must be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll have a I'll have a look for some land stuff. There must be awesome. Yeah. So yeah. you toured with Jamiroquai for six years, um, and I'm not asking this question because I heard rumors. But what is your approach to dealing with tough customers? You know, artists with bad attitudes, and how do you deal with the unpleasantries that come with dealing with a difficult person? Uh, I mean. JK wasn't that difficult to me. Uh, we actually got on quite well. I actually quite liked him, <laughs> which is totally against what people would think. Uh, I got him. I don't know how, but we got we we found a common ground. We found a common place to be. But I have had some artists that, uh, yeah, I, I've not not got on with um, in any way. But they're quite obtuse people. You kind of have to do your best. Because they're prima donnas and they think they're special or is it just, you just, just clashed as, as as personalities? I think a bit of both sometimes, you know. I think in some cases you're a bit of a mystery to them about what you do, how what you can do for them. You know, they're, they're either so wrapped up in their own thing or who knows, who knows what makes these people like they are. I treat everybody equal on the best, most part. But dealing with them, I think the best thing you can ever do is keep your cool. Um, remind yourself that it doesn't matter really. Uh, and just, yeah, it's just, yeah, another, just day. another day. You just get through it. Um, and just do your best with them because some people, no matter what you do, it'll never be right, you know, for whatever reason. And yeah, absolutely. if it's that bad, I think yeah. the greatest thing you can ever do is have the realization that you can walk away from this stuff. We're freelance. You can walk away from a tour. And there are times when I have walked away from jobs going, nah, this isn't worth it. This is not worth my time for whatever reason. And it is the most liberating thing you could ever do, you know, is discover that you can walk away. That is always an option. <laughs> people will keep, people will kick off an artist who I can't mention. I walked off their tour. And uh, I, I, we got through rehearsals and I was like, I'm really not sure about this. I'm just, nah, this guy is a bit of a dick. Uh, we got to the very first show and catering wasn't the best. It wasn't something that I could be sustainably eating from for, I think, the next however long. And there was too many, too many no boxes ticked. So I was, and there was a, there was a few things said, and I just cleared the desk, walked out, walked out the, the front door of the uh, venue with my USB held high, <laughs> and walked away running, and 
And the production manager rang me as I was at the train station going, where have you gone? I thought, going home, bye. Funny enough, he, he raged at me. And I recently bumped into him at a festival. You know, there's that, that, that memory of it. And he walked up to me and he goes, do you know what? He says, I absolutely hated you for a good number of years. He says, and then one day, you know, he says, I found myself in a similar situation. I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to do what Mark did. And he walked away from it. He says, and I've gone from hating you to absolutely adoring oh, you for the fact that you did that and that you stood up to yourself. He says, he says, in a, it, he says it took a long time for me to get there. He says, but that was the greatest thing you ever could have done. I was like, cheers. Yeah, <laughs> it takes big brass balls to do that, mate. But yeah, sometimes it's what's needed, hey? Yeah, yeah. Just for something a bit more personal, um, being away from the UK as much as you are, how do you maintain your personal relationships? I know, I know you have a young family. You know, how do you find work-life balance? I know it's, I know it's the hardest thing about touring because I've been there myself. Um, it's certainly a lot easier these days with stuff like uh, FaceTime, and you know, uh, and that, that I mean that's an absolute godsend, you know. When I was in Australia, I had to, I had breakfast meetings with my boy every morning, which was always quite good. Uh, you know, whilst I was whilst I was finishing my day, he was starting his day, and then I'd usually uh, ring a ring home again to my wife when she's taking the boy to school. It's it's a it's a family thing, isn't it? Because your your respective partner sort of goes into a on tour sort of vibe. They realise they've got to get stuff done, but I said I'm always on the end of the phone. You know, if things need doing, things need doing. I will always maintain that family comes first. <laughs> so I remember the early days of of touring and being away from home where you only, we didn't even have proper cell phones that worked. You had to go and try and find a landline somewhere and then you call the person and they're not there. And yeah, exactly. It would be, it would be such a problem. Yeah, you, you disappear for six, eight months. <laughs> If you had to just take all of the equipment failure out of the equation, which as you mentioned, you've been working with Robies, so there's not a lot of that. But if you take all the equipment failure out of equation, have you ever made any mistakes on the gig that really got you into trouble? Uh, I mean, there's been the old uh, unexpected blackout <laughs> and that sort of stuff. You can't, it's this thing, and I think it's what's called experience because. I don't know about everybody else, but I I make it I make mistakes a lot. <laughs> it does happen, <laughs> but it's, humans. It's, yeah, I, yeah, but it's uh, the skill comes from learning how to style that out. You know, if you're going to bring some lights back in, bring them back with the beat. The song builds again in a minute. Let's make it look like it's a thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you make a mistake, as long as you do it on time of the music, it doesn't look like a mistake. Yeah, totally. Just, just, just go with it. No, no, and that's what I was saying earlier about don't just listen to the music you've got to do. Fully know that music inside and out to the point you can tell your artist that they're playing it wrong, which has happened a few times. Going, you know, you're really? doing that bit wrong. <laughs> yeah, wow. because because I've planned stuff for it. You wander over and go, oh, it's okay. So the fourth bar, uh, that that's not how that goes. Because <laughs> that's uh, crazy. Yeah. But I suppose they take it from you because, you know, you become a family, like you say, on these tours. You get to know each other yeah. exceptionally well. Yeah. And if you've got a good working relationship, they will they will take that on board. You know, you're like, oh, say for the, for the version that you gave me, you've got this play out. Um, can we do yeah. that? Because <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. something planned there. You know, that yeah. sort of stuff. And if, it's, it's a relationship, isn't it? It's a working relationship and you're all part of the same team. And definitely, definitely they want they want to produce a good show so if you point stuff out you'd be like if i've noticed it hardcore fans probably notice it as well almost definitely yeah yeah so and yeah. i know you do a lot of a lot of festivals with these artists that you tour with and i know it's a very different situation because you normally in between a lot of other bands you're not always the headliner so your turnaround times are are really short um how do you how do you go about differentiating your show from the other bands that are using the same rig? Um, I think a lot of that comes through from how you, how you do your focus position, that sort of stuff. 
as was saying earlier, use the room. A lot of my stuff is always very big, very wide. And you stick with that as much as sometimes you, you do have to drop drop your focus like right down. It's it's a tricky one. Yeah, you got to point it at the artists, especially if it's during the sunlight. If it's during the day, I suppose you've got to make sure you point it all at the people. Yeah. Rather than up yeah, in the sky. Yeah, smart is right? in the sky, that sort of business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just so just one last question before we say goodbye, mate. Um, if you had to give advice to somebody starting in this industry or somebody who's keen and, and you know wants to get into this game, what would you say to them? Go work at a venue, go and work at a warehouse, lighting manager, you know, the, the, one of those lighting companies. Don't just think you're going to jump straight on a desk. You need to learn the core, the core of it. You need to understand how those fixtures work. You need to understand how it all works to give you, to, to make it that when you get to the point of commissioning bricks, you have an understanding of what that means. So you can't, you, you understand that when you order some fixtures, it's not just some guy pressing go on a computer. There's a whole team that are working for you within that lighting company, prepping your gear and this sort of stuff. And it, and I think you need to un understand how moving lights work because it means you program better and understand, you know, and you don't ruin your lights. There's, there's an LD who I used to take over from on a lot of his tours many years ago, and he wasn't the generation of moving lights he started with par bars and that sort of stuff. And I would take over the show far from him and I'd be like, what is going on? And the lights would be flat doing everything because he never pressed clear. And I said to him once, I was like, why do you never press clear? He goes, oh, well, I want to make sure the light can do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't just turn the lamp off and leave the light doing everything. Press clear, give the thing a rest. Because it used to be raining fixtures because it's ragging the hell out of them. We used to call that blocking the toilets. Like when people don't follow tracking and they just store everything in every queue. <laughs> it, it's having, you have to have a full understanding of how stuff is. It also makes you a better person when you're on tour too. Less angry. Good luck for the rest of your tour yeah. with Simple Minds. And I really look forward to seeing you when you come back in Australia. Hopefully next time you can spend a bit more time in Adelaide. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. See you again, mate. <laughs>